Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is the 21st day of August in the year 2020. Here in the Castle family, we're doing just fine, except the family daughter has had her hopes for an escape from her jungle island dashed again by a few cases of the virus in New Zealand, four cases, I believe. So flights to New Zealand have once again been canceled, so we talk to her by Zoom. We wait, we pray for her and for her husband as they endure their sixth month of captivity. Now, here is a bit of information you might not be aware of, the destruction of the cities of the world has not always been the result of Democrat politicians as it is now. Although by a strange coincidence, the two are going to, we are going to remember today were destroyed under a Democrat politician. This month, August 2020, is one of such historic importance that I must take you back 75 years into history to talk about it. Why do I remind you of World War II anniversaries and talk about World War II so much because the men who fought there should not be forgotten and because it was the last time in our country's history that we were completely united as people against a common enemy. This month is the 75th anniversary of many things having to do with World War II and specifically the war against Japan. It is the 75th anniversary of the peace treaty that ended the war with Japan. It is the 75th anniversary of the dropping of the two atomic bombs on Japan. It is the 75th anniversary of the death of the last American killed in World War II. His name was Anthony Marcioni. He just celebrated his 21st birthday. The date was August 18, 1945 two days after President Truman had ordered all American forces to cease offensive operations against Japan. The United States had a new bomber back then called the B-32 Dominator, which was not even used during the war, but was then being used for photo reconnaissance to make sure that Japan was complying with the ceasefire agreement. The bomber was to take off from the southern tip of Okinawa, fly to Japan to photograph a Japanese airfield north of Tokyo. Tony Marcioni was not a member of the regular crew, but he was assigned as a photographer and assistant gunner on the flight. There were a lot of Japanese military who would not accept the emperor's statement to the Japanese people that he had accepted the Allied terms of unconditional surrender. He explained to them in his national broadcast to the Japanese people that the Americans had a new and most cruel bomb, as he put it, a new and most cruel bomb of such devastating power that further resistance was futile. Ordinary Japanese viewed the emperor as a god. When he spoke, that was the law. They accepted his decision without question, but much of the remaining military refused to accept it, and they committed mutiny rather than lay down their arms and stop fighting. In the meantime, Tony Marcioni's bomber reached its assigned photographic area and began to take pictures. It was attacked by four rogue Japanese fighter aircraft flown by mutinous aviators. Tony was hit in his gun turret. He bled to death in the sky over Japan while attempting to make it back to his base. Tony Marcioni was the last of almost one-half million American combat deaths 
in World War II. That was 75 years ago, August 18th, 1945. So Tony would be 96 years old if he were still alive today. A few year, a few days before that, a few days before Tony's death. On the 6th of August, 1945, a B-29 named Enola Gay took off from its island base at Tinian, headed for the Japanese city of Hiroshima. The Enola Gay dropped a 5,000-pound atomic weapon named Little Boy, which exploded over Hiroshima with a force equal to 15,000 tons of TNT. 80,000 people died instantly. Tens of thousands more died of radiation over the next few days. Three days later, Emperor Hirohito and his generals still scratched their heads like Hamlet. So another bomb named Fat Boy was used against Nagasaki. Similar results, two cities wiped off the map, off the face of the earth. The world had what remained of its innocence stripped away that day. Two mushroom clouds became a symbol that has dominated the world and appeared in its nightmares for 75 years. We have been held hostage to thoughts of nuclear annihilation for all that time. Most of us realize that one mistake by one leader somewhere could set it all off. We are all hopefully, we all hopefully understand the awesome power that has been placed in the hands of each person who has occupied that office since then. The Japanese emperor understood after Nagasaki that these Americans were not planning to give his warlords that glorious chance to die that they dreamed of, to die in the streets of Japan fighting one million American soldiers. Emperor Hirohito probably expected Tokyo to be the next city to disappear from the earth. He was told by President Truman through diplomatic channels that if he surrendered his nation unconditionally, he could remain as the symbol of Japan. General Douglas MacArthur was appointed proconsul of Japan, and he was, in effect, the new emperor. There's a new movie out right now called, uh, starring Tommy Lee Jones as MacArthur called Emperor which you can get for free on YouTube. I highly recommend it. Recommend it. It's worth a couple of hours of your time. General MacArthur brought order to Japan. He helped the Japanese rebuild, rejoin the modern world within a few years of being completely devastated, turned into a nuclear wasteland. Japan was a G20 economy, so there should be statues to Douglas MacArthur all over that country. He ran the country with dignity, with respect for its people, its customs, and the natural ability of the Japanese people were channeled into economic production instead of military conquest. Even the old military bought into it and became part of the rebuilding project. Germany, also completely devastated by the war, had to be rebuilt from the ground up. The American taxpayers through the Marshall Plan, rebuilt the cities of Europe very quickly. America needed the nations of Europe and Japan back on their feet as trading partners for their own economy. So the rebuilding helped both sides. The destruction of our cities today at the hands of Democrat politicians can't be compared with the atomic blast that destroyed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Or the around-the-clock bombing of German cities, but the destruction is rather complete nevertheless, especially in New York City, where millions have fled the devastation 
the lockdown and the riots, the looting have almost destroyed that city. This is the worst economic disaster in New York history. It is worse than 9-11, worse than the 2007-2008 Wall Street crash, worse than the Spanish flu epidemic and worse than the polio epidemic. Never before have stores on Fifth Avenue been completely closed and boarded up. Fifth Avenue, perhaps the busiest shopping district in this world with millions walking that avenue constantly, day and night. It is currently lined with boarded up storefronts from the destructive looting which Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio refused to stop. Couple the riots and looting with the economic destruction from the lockdown. What you have left is a destroyed city, New York, the greatest city in the world, the capital of the world, currently deserted. There are no tourists walking the streets, and I mean none, as in zero. Broadway closed and dark, as are 60% of the 18,000 restaurants existing in the city. Tourist attractions are not open because there are no tourists. The streets look like a ghost town. The question becomes, will it ever return to normal? My guess is that it will not. It will not return to normal since millions have left permanently, taking the tax base with them. Business is forced to close for six months now and counting. I found ways to work remotely, work from home, or they have died. Those people will not be coming back to pay the most expensive real estate rents and taxes in the country. No, they have found by necessity that there is a new, perhaps a better life. A life in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, wherever else they have relocated. Their work can be done from anywhere, so why not avoid the cost and the hassle of living in Manhattan if the fun has been removed from the equation anyway? My daughter went to college in New York City, so a lot of my money and a lot of my time was left there over several years. I've seen recent videos, plus I've talked to people who have been there since the lockdown. It's not the same city. Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio can certainly be proud because they have destroyed the greatest city in the world. New York now faces a monumental, perhaps unsolvable, Rebuilding tasks, the West Coast Democrat cities such as Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle speak for themselves. The riots, the looting, months, soaring rates of violent crime coupled with the lockdown from the virus. Anyone who can escape has done so. I spoke to a business associate who's lived in both New York City and Los Angeles this year. She told me that the cities have changed places with regard to the economic devastation. L.A. now showing signs of returning to its pre-virus. Normal, if you can call that normal, but New York is a ghost town. Portland and Seattle have some terrible Democrat leaders, but I repeat myself. I've talked about them so many times it gets boring, I know. But they are Democrat poster cities right now. Violent crime, riots, looting, destruction. No work for people to do, all that up to a destruction of the cities that were once great. In Chicago, we have the murder capital of the nation. With all the other headaches and hassles of Chicago, this Democrat utopia, including the looted, broken shops of Michigan Avenue, people are voting with their feet right now, getting out just as fast as they can. 
Many of the people I've talked to who managed to stay out of the lockdowns of their cities fled from the riots and looting. I suppose the lesson is that if we just keep voting those Democrats in office, we'll get our socialist utopia sooner or later. Those of us fortunate enough to live somewhere else still enjoy a visit to the city from time to time. We went to L.A. to enjoy the beaches and to see Hollywood. We went to New York City for Broadway or to see a baseball game. In the wintertime, we wanted to see Rockefeller Center and Macy's on 34th and Broadway, which is now looted and boarded up. Too bad. It's too bad. I love those cities. Maybe this will spark a movement toward decentralization of the cities. Finally, folks, do I really think the devastation after World War II compares with today? No, not really. Only in principle, not in fact. After all, it took years of round-the-clock bombing, plus a final nuclear blast to devastate the cities of Germany and Japan. But Mayor de Blasio turned the greatest city in the world into a ghost town in only five months. At least that's the way I see it, folks. Till next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.